Welcome back to Daf HaShivua. This week we're going to be learning Misech Sivamos Daf Tzadi Vav. And as we make our way through Paraka Isha Rabba to the, uh, to the final Daf in the Amud Daf Tzadi Vav as the, uh, the next Paraka of our Masechta begins on Daf Tzadi Zayin Amud Aleph uh, where, uh, where we're going to get to, uh, where we're going to get to today, the 11th chapter of Misech Sivamos. So the Mishnah on the Top of Tzadi Vav Aleph begins with a case of four sets of sisters and a very complex case about who they marry and how their marriages play out. And when they find out that spouses that they thought were dead end up being alive. So these sisters, um, half sisters and half brothers that go ahead and end up marrying each other uh, and what the halakhic ramifications are going to be when they find out that uh, the people whom were responsible for the uh, for the uh, for these marriages actually taking place were not actually dead, but were actually were actually alive, and the role that uh, that that has on these uh, current marriages. Um, and uh, the Gemara goes on to uh, present many of those cases and uh, what they are going to uh, describe for us in terms of us having a better understanding of uh, of Yibum and ultimately into the case where. Uh, which takes up the majority of this daf, where we have a nine-year-old boy, and a nine-year-old boy goes ahead, says our Mishnah, and lives with his Yavama. He has Bia with his Yavama, and the Mishnah says that he disqualifies the adult brothers by taking her in Yibam. So if this nine-year-old uh, boy goes ahead and he uh, he, he does uh, participate in Yibam, so everybody else is not going to be able to have this relationship with the, uh, with the sister-in-law. If he... Uh, if, however, the Mishnah says the adult brothers go ahead and lie with her or perform amar with her or give her a get, so they disqualify him, the nine-year-old, the katan, from taking this woman in Yibum. And the case that the Mishnah presents is a case in which a boy of nine years old in one day disqualifies the brother if his act precedes the Yibum-related act of an adult brother, but it doesn't qualify if it follows the Yibum act done of that adult brother. So depending on uh, when this nine-year-old goes ahead and when this nine-year-old uh, participates in this uh, activity, so that's going to determine whether or not the other siblings are going to be disqualified from being with their sister-in-law. So what our Mishnah seems to be saying is that if an adult brother does Maimar does the beginning uh, of the uh, of the uh, uh, removing of the zika, removing of the connection. The mamar something to do with uh, the uh, the vocal. Uh, the vocal marriage aspects with the Yavama and the minor brother, the nine-year-old then goes and he has Bia with her. So his Bia is not going to disqualify from the brother from taking her in Yibam because the older siblings have already started this process through this, uh, this, uh, this halachic construct referred to as Mamar. So therefore when the nine-year-old is with her, so that is not going to invalidate the other siblings from uh, from uh, being uh, from being with her. So the Gemara then asks from Abraisa, if one gave Maimar to his Yavama, and then later his nine-year-old brother has Bia with her, so she is forbidden, right? So how could it be that uh, we have one situation where we're going to say that uh, in this order she's going to be forbidden, and in another situation we say that no, once the mimer happens with the older siblings, so she's not necessarily disqualified yet uh, at this point. So the Gemara answers that his Bia forbids her even at the end, that when this nine-year-old is going to have Bia with uh, with this Yavama, when he's going to go ahead and when he's going to be with her, so... Um, so that's going to, uh, that's going to disqualify her. And the Mishnah 
continues to say that his Maimar only forbids uh, at the beginning. And the distinction here between before and after only applies to when the Maimar happened. So if the Maimar happens at the beginning, before the uh, the nine-year-old goes ahead and does this uh, does this Yibum. So then we have uh, we have the uh, the potential disqualifications. But if the mimer happens afterwards, so then uh, the brothers are going to be disqualified. And uh, we have this very complex conversation about the role of a nine-year-old, uh, the role of this katan in this uh, in this relationship when he uh, falls to Yibum to uh, to this uh, to this woman. The next Mishnah goes on to discuss a case where we have two Yivamin, both of whom are nine years old, uh, and uh, probably one day, it's likely that these are twin brothers, they go and are with their Yavama. Or, a case where one of the nine-year-old goes, and he's with two Yavamos, he's with two sister-in-laws, and what are going to be the... Um, what are going to be the uh, the ramifications of that uh, of that relationship of that act on behalf of that uh, of that nine year old? So we show them way in, and they wonder uh, when this nine year old performs yibum, what role the maimar and the yibum can play one with the other when the maimar and yibum uh, of uh, of one brother and a katan brother uh, take place and occur in uh, in tandem. So the riff and the rush describe the following, that if one gave Mimer to his Yavama, and later, afterwards, the nine-year-old brother has Bia with her, so she's absolutely forbidden, that the Bia of a nine-year-old is going to forbid, even if it comes after the Mimer started. So, what the Rif and the Rush are describing over here is that if Mimer happens, and then the boy goes ahead, the nine-year-old boy, he goes and he has Bia with the Yavama, so there's an absolute disqualification over here. So, according to these Rishonim, it doesn't matter uh, that the mimer happened. It doesn't matter that um, that the older brothers already got this process underway. Once the nine-year-old goes ahead and has the beal with this woman, so that is going to apostle and invalidate the other brothers from going ahead and the other brothers from uh, from doing yibum later. The Rambam in Hilchos Yibum, Perak Aleph, Halacha Tes Zion describes the following, and the Rambam says that there's a tradition that the bia of a boy above nine years old is bia. So therefore, if a yavam above nine has bia with his yavama, so he keeps her, he takes her uh, in marriage, and until they, uh, until he has a get, or until he re- releases her from this marriage, so that's considered to be a full fledged marriage. He can't do chalitza until he matures, and what we do is we're bodik that he has a shtei saros that he's already reached the age of Bagris, that he's reached the age of uh, physical maturation. Um, and uh, assuming that's the case, his Bia will uh, will uh, be Machneher. However, says the Rambam, his Bia is not going to acquire her totally. Therefore, she's not permitted to a stranger until he does uh, the Bia or Chalitza after uh, after he goes ahead and after he matures, after he reaches this state of maturity, this physical maturation. So the Shulchan Aruch, based on this Rambam and based on this riff in the rush, so the Shulchan Aruch in Evan Ha'ezer, in Simon, Kuf, Sa, Kuf Samach Zayin Sif Aleph describes that the Bia of a Yavam above nine years old is like the Mamar of an adult. And in the next Sif in Shulchan Aruch, the Shulchan Aruch writes that if a Yavam above nine does Yibum, he can't exempt her with a get unless he has relations with her after he matured. So unless he's reached the state of Shtei Cyrus, so she 
she uh, she can't go ahead and uh, and uh, and and get her get, uh, and she's going to require a chalitza over here. The yibum that he does is not going to be relevant. Is not going to be uh, is not going to be a sufficient uh, a sufficient uh, job. Interestingly enough. Throughout this, uh, throughout the Masechta, really, and uh, certainly on our daf, we have this word that's used to describe a woman who's awaiting Yibum. And the word that's used that the Gemara refers to is a woman that's a Shomeres Yavam. She's Shomer the Yibum. And the question becomes, what does it mean for a woman to be a Shomeres Yavam? What is this concept of being Shomer as a, uh, as a Yavam? So Rashi in the Masechta, Rashi in Sota, uses uh, the following Lashon. And Rashi describes that a Shomeris Yavam, somebody who Shomer something is Mitzapa Umamtenas Liyavam. So she's waiting, she's anticipating, she's looking forward to uh, to this person coming. She's looking forward to the Yibam taking place. It's like the Pasuk that we have in Chumash where Yaakov Avinu says, Vaviv Shamar Es HaDavar, anticipating the realizations of Yosef, Yosef's dreams. And Rashi says that Yaakov is Yoshev Masai Yavo. We also have a Pasuk, the Shamru B'nai Yisrael, as a Shabbos and Parshas Kisisa, that describes that Shmira, that the, 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 uh, Shoresh, Shin, Mem, Resh, has what to do with some sort, some level, some aspect of anticipation. And perhaps when we refer to a woman as a Shomeris Yavam, so she's waiting for the Yibum to take place. She's waiting for this, uh, this process to get underway. She is a Shomeris Yavam. So as the Gemara goes on discussing the actions of a nine-year-old, a Katan, we have to ask ourselves, when it comes to a Katan halachically, so what role does a Katan play halachically? Let's say we have a case where a nine-year-old boy goes ahead and he damages something. He is a mazik. The question becomes, is he chayev? Who is responsible halachically to pay for these damages? So the Gemara Bava Kama Daf says that we have a case uh, in which Raphram forced Rav Ashi to go ahead and to do something. But we don't really know what the storyline is over here. And Rashi helps us out and adds that Ravashi burned the star of a friend when he was a little kid. And Raphram goes ahead, forces uh, forces Ravashi to pay, which seems to indicate that a katan is chayev when he is uh, magdil, when he gets older. And the Ramah and Hilchel Shabbos in Simen, Shin, Mem, Gimel, describes that when a child goes ahead and when a child uh, hits uh, a child's father or does other averos, even though he's a child, it's definitely a good idea to be makabal tshuva when the child gets older. So the child, uh, granted, he's not going to be chayev at this point in time, but as the child gets older, so the child should go ahead and the child should, uh, the child should, um, uh, do, uh, do, do, do tshuva. The, in, uh, uh, Shlomo Laeger, uh, in the Gilion Amarsha, in Yoridea Simon Reish Mem, describes that based on this Ramah, it seems that there are own shin over here, that a child could, uh, indeed get punished for, uh, these actions that took place when he was, uh, when he was a child. We do have a Mishnah that describes, and our Mishnah over here, Andaf Tzadivav, Describe that a katan is not able to get married. And the question becomes, why would that be? Why wouldn't the katan be able to get married? The Nodah Yehuda in Evan Ezra Madura Kinyana Simon Nundalad asks that question, why the katan can't get married? And he presents a concept of, we refer to in learning, Das Acheres Makne, that if it's 
there's somebody else, there's a gadol in our equation, so we have this concept of dasacharis machna, so the woman is taking him in marriage. So if the woman is this dasacharis, she can be machna him, she can be kona him. So shouldn't this woman be allowed to acquire this man, this boy really, on a Doraisa level? The woman here is Makna herself to him. And why don't we say that since she is a Gidola, she can create the marriage to this Katan. So some of the Achronim suggest, and the Nodabuda suggests, that perhaps this isn't a regular Kenyan. That when a woman allows him to come into marriage, that isn't what's called regular Mekachumemkar. It's not regular give and take. It's not regular way that transactions uh, take place. And it wouldn't be strong enough for the marriage to be chal on a de'oraisa level. This wouldn't be a strong enough Kenyan. And therefore... As a result of uh, the fact that this boy is still a katan, even though the woman he's going to marry is a gidola, we would not allow uh, we would not allow him to go at and we would not allow him to have a uh, to have a full fledged uh, full fledged marriage. The bottom of Tadivavam Beis is a fascinating story based on the shita of Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi Yochanan held that we treat uh, a minor being with a woman as the maimar of an adult. So that was the shita of, uh, of Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi Lazar took the shita and he taught the shita uh, in uh, the name of Yenem, in the name of nobody. He doesn't give Rabbi Yochanan credit for this particular shita. And Rabbi Yochanan goes ahead and gets very uh, gets very upset. He becomes a kasan, becomes very angry. And Rav Ami and Rav Asi were witness to this public anger and asked him about a machlokes that took place in the name of Rebbe Lazar and Rebbe Yossi. In that machlokes, there was a Sefer Torah that was ripped as a result of the kas. The Gemara learns out that even though it was probably accidental, what a horrible thing, what a horrible result of a, uh, of a uh, very heated uh, interaction over here. That as a result of uh, the kas of these people, so a Sefer Torah is going to get ripped, Rachmana Litzlan, and Rebbe Yossi Ben Kisma actually was witness to this uh, to this um, encounter, and Riosim Ben Kisma said that when he saw the Sefer Torah ripped, that he wouldn't be shocked that if, as a result of this uh, this uh, this argument and what ensued as a result of the argument, that the shul doesn't become a base of Odazara, which the Gemara does describe, actually ended up happening. That the place in which this Sefer Torah was burned did become uh, a base of Odazara, and that's exactly what the Gemara describes on the uh, on the bottom of Sadi Vav Amud Beis, and the Gemara says that. Uh, in lo yihia base kineses zua vodazara v'kein hava, he says, I would be wondered if this didn't become a house of uh, idol worship, and it went ahead, and it certainly became a house of idol worship because of the uh, because of this uh, this kas, this anger that uh, that uh, that existed in this story with these uh, with these sages, and we know that. Kas and Avodazara are inherently linked. They have a very strong relationship and connection. What a horrible midah. And the midah of Kas, as per this Gemara, allows for uh, this uh, this Avodazara uh, to exist in the world. And the Gemara then goes on to describe the concept of being Omer, Davar B'Shem Omro, based on the Mishnah in the sixth parak of Pirkei Avos, and uh, we know that it brings Geula to the world when we quote somebody, when we say something in somebody else's name, and uh, that leads into the last conversation uh, in the parak of Ha'isha Rabbah at the uh, at the bottom of 
uh, well, really, the middle of Tzadi Zayin, Amr Aleph, where the Gemara goes uh, back from this uh, back from this Agadita, and the Gemara tries to uh, to uh, to understand this concept of this uh, this boy who's nine years old and a uh, boy who hasn't uh, shown yet signs of uh, maturation, and uh, how that is going to compare with a uh, Mishnah in uh, Meseches Nida, where uh, we have a similar concept over here. But basically, what our Gemara spends the majority of time trying to understand is the halakh ramifications of a nine-year-old uh, involved in Yibum, involved in uh, these uh, these types of activities, what role it plays for him, what role it plays for the rest of the uh, characters, the brothers, the sisters that are going to be involved, and the halakh ramifications of a uh, of, uh, of a Yibum that's done with, uh, with such a child and into the status of Katan in Halacha, that is Daf Tzadivav of Nesech Sivamus, the last Daf of Perak Isha Rabba, the 10th Perak of this wonderful Masechta.